Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Right now is one of the biggest times of year at all our in-person locations as we are kicking off a series we've been doing every summer for the last few years called At The Movies. At The Movies is a series where we take movies and we use them to illustrate truths from the Bible to help all of us take our next steps to follow Jesus. Now, unfortunately, due to copyright laws, we cannot post these movies on demand on our YouTube channel or on our podcast like most weekends. So I wanna invite you to join us for At The Movies at one of our in-person locations, whether it be at our Oak Creek Franklin campus or our Greenfield campus. You can also catch the At The Movies message during one of our live services online or on our website and TV apps. But you can get all the details for all of this on our website at theridgecc.com. But since you are on our YouTube channel or listening to our podcast, we wanted to do something extra for you during our At The Movie series. Shortly after Don and I got married, we started arguing about something that she didn't think was that big of a deal, but to me, it became a big deal. We argued about how much candy that she was eating throughout the day. So it would be like lunchtime, candy. Snack, candy. Before we went to bed, more candy. Now, I was concerned about her eat, eat, what I thought was eating too much candy because there were diabetes in her family. You know, I want to be a good husband. Uh, many members of her, her family struggled with obesity, and so she had a lot going against her genetically. Well, there was this one night, so we, we're arguing about it, and man, we are just, we're going, we're really going, going back and forth, going back and forth, going back and forth, and then I just finally yelled, you're going to end up fat like your sister. Now, some of you were thinking of seeing me for relational help, and now that's probably off the table. Now, what's interesting is now she doesn't eat candy. I'm the one who munches on Swedish fish almost every night. Well, today we are beginning a brand new series called Putting Your Foot in Your Mouth. All of us have a story, or let's be honest, better yet, countless stories like mine, where we said something and we wish we could go back and take it back because we put our foot in our mouth. What those stories remind us of is there is power in the words we speak. King Solomon, who was the third king of Israel and son of King David, he wrote this in Proverbs 18:21. He says, the tongue has the power of life. If you've ever been in love or you are married, you know that first time you heard that person say, I love you, it was like time just stood still. I mean, those words, do something and did something inside of you that you couldn't explain. It was like they just brought life into you. And so someone says, the, the tongue has the power of life and death. Donna still remembers that night where I compared her with her sister. So Solomon points, and our big idea for this series, and whether this is true, or whether you're a church person or not, he points to this, that our words have the power to give life or take it. And not just to other people, but also to us. Now, most of us know this, okay? But we spend very little time being intentional about using our words to give life into our relationship. 
And so because it's summer and we'll be outside with family and neighbors and friends, which means we'll do a lot of talking over the summer, we're gonna spend the next few weeks getting a lot more intentional about our words. Today, I wanna to begin by talking about something that all of us do, and most of us just kinda of think, nah, it's harmless. But as we're gonna discover, it always takes life from not only our relationships, but also takes some of the life out of our own lives. We're gonna talk about the problem of complaining. All right, now let me ask you a few questions. How many of you would say that you complain a lot? I mean, just kind of show of hands, you know, wherever you're watching or listening. Now, some of you are like, I can't stand it when he, he asks us to raise our hand. You know, complaining about that. What is it? Another question. What is it that you complain about the most? And I want you to think about it and just be real honest with yourself. Lately for me, it's been my schedule. So recently I've had to travel back-to-back -back weeks and I'm not a traveling person. I just, I don't like being away from, from home, I like being away from my family. Uh, I also got home and then had multiple speaking engagements and other things. And I was like, complain, 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 complain. Poor me. What is it for you? For some, you complain because you're not married. Others of you, you complain because you are married. Or maybe you complain about your kids. It's like, well, they just never listen. You know, you might complain about your boss because he drives you crazy. Or you complain about money being tight or your house is too small. Or you complain about the weather. It's like, okay, it's summer, oh, the 90s is too hot, but in the winter, it's like the 20s is too cold. When Donna and I lived in California, most of the time we kept the, the garage door closed and we're not really sure why, but everybody did. And so, you know, we just did. And with California weather being as hot as it is, it got really hot in there. Well, we would keep our, our garbage can in there because everybody else did as well. And at that time, our twin boys were still in diapers and we would change the diapers and then we would you know, throw them in the garbage can. And then every day we would throw the cat litter out in there as well, so we'd throw that in the garbage can. And then that doesn't even include just, you know, some of the food that went in there that had gone bad. I, I can't tell you how many times I accidentally left the lid off, off, off of the garbage can. And so what I would do is I would go to work and then I would come home from work, open up the garage door, walk in the garage on a 95 degree day <laughs> and the smell was so bad. I mean, honestly, that it would almost knock me over. The smell had contaminated the entire place. When it comes to complaining, we don't think that it's that big of a deal. I mean, we just kind of think it's harmless. But here's the thing about complaining. Complaining contaminates. It always contaminates our relationship. I want you to think about this. Think about the unhappiest person you know. I mean, they're negative and they're bitter and they complain about everything. I mean, they are miserable all the time. And you know what you do? You don't want to spend any time with that person. In fact, you even go out of your way, I would bet, to avoid them. But there's another layer to complaining that we don't think about. It contaminates our lives as well. Let me show you how you can be miserable, okay? Let me just show you how to do this. Here's what you need to do. If you wanna just hate your job, for the rest of your life, complain about it every single day. I mean, you complain about your commute to work and the people you work with and the lousy benefits and your boss doesn't know what he's doing and how you're undervalued and you just keep doing that. And I guarantee you, you're gonna think you'll be miserable at work. If you're not fully miserable, let me tell you how you can be even more miserable. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just keep complaining. Complain about the weather, 
the economy, politicians, I mean, the way people drive, which I honestly complain about that, about your physical features that you were once a stud and now you're a dud. You know, complain about the long line at the grocery store, complain about the way your neighbors don't keep their yards up the way that they should. You know, complain about what people are posting on social media. And then listen, if that's not enough and you wanna even complain more and be even more miserable, here's what I want you to do. I want you to complain about the person that you're with. I want you to nitpick them to death. I mean, that the way that they chew their food, the way that their hair is falling out, it's clogging up the shower drain, you know, it's kind of dries you nuts. The way they dress, they don't pick up after themselves, how lazy they are. I mean, and they don't meet your needs. And listen, if you just keep complaining, <laughs> you'll ruin that relationship. Complaining contaminates both our relationships with other people and it contaminates us. I want to take, take some time and look at a very, I think, extremely challenging passage written by Paul. And he's, he, he writes this passage while he's in prison. And let me just give you a little backstory to this. And it's really important. Paul had been traveling throughout Europe, starting churches. And then he goes back to Jerusalem and he goes to the temple to teach about Jesus. Well, the Jewish leaders were furious that he's there. And so they have a mob attack him. And so they drag him out of the temple and they're about to beat him to death. But someone calls the police, which happens to be the Romans. So the Roman guards show up to arrest Paul. But Paul mentions to him, they said, hey, listen, I'm not only Jewish, Mr. Roman guard. I'm also a Roman citizen. Now this changes everything because every Roman citizen gets a trial. So they send Paul to Rome for that trial. So here's what happens. They put him on a ship to go to Rome where he gets lost at sea for two weeks because of a bad windstorm. Well, after being shipwrecked for, then for three months, they finally get to Rome. And he's in prison and understand these prisons there, they aren't like prisons today. The floor is hard, the food, if they even get any, is really, really bad. And he's chained to a different Roman soldier every eight hours. And this is going on for two to three years while Paul's awaiting a trial for a crime. Guess what, he didn't even commit. So if anyone, anyone has the right to complain, it's Paul. But I want you to listen to these words that he writes while in prison. He says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Grumbling also means complaining. Now, here, here's what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that we never confront. You know, there are times where we must confront injustice or wrongdoing. It also doesn't mean that we don't have tough conversations, but we always have those tough conversations out of love. Now notice he says this, he says, do everything without grumbling or, or, or arguing. So the standard, <laughs> let's be honest, it doesn't get any higher than everything. Whatever we do, wherever we are, whoever we are with, do everything without complaining or arguing. Now, why would Paul say everything. Well, I believe Paul knew there were both spiritual and practical reasons to live this way. Uh, if you're a Jesus follower, there is a lot of spiritual reasons to live this way. A backdrop to what Paul was saying had to do a lot with the story of the Israelites and complaining was a big part of their story. Uh, at one point in their story, the Israelites were in cap captivity as slaves to Egypt for hundreds of years. And for hundreds of years, I mean, they constantly complained about their circumstances. And so God sent Moses and he issued 10 different miraculous plagues. And as a result, he set them free 
He even parted the Red Sea. Then he led them and he fed them. I mean, here's, here's how he took care of them. I mean, their clothes never wore out. Imagine that. And what did they do? They just griped and complained. And then listen to what they said to Moses one time. This is what they said. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now, I want you to think about what they're saying. Our lives were better as slaves when we were beaten, treated as inhumane, better than what we are experiencing now. I mean, think about that. And then Moses says something to them that must have shocked them. He says this, he says, you're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. You see, they thought, you know, they were complaining to Moses about Moses. And Moses says, uh-uh, you weren't complaining against me. You're actually complaining against God. Imagine if every time that we complain, it's not just about our circumstances or about our boss or the traffic, but what if in God's eyes, we are actually complaining about him? That's how Paul wants us to see it. Now, the reason Paul wants to see it this way is because Paul understood the source of all our complaining. You see, you complain for the same reason I complain. I complain because I'm not getting what I think I deserve, dot, 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 from God. At the source of all our complaining is this, entitlement. In other words, it's all about you, it's all about me. Think back to what you complain about the most. I mean, why do you complain about it? Once you get through all the, well, she doesn't and should and supposed to, and that's unfair, I'm not getting what I think I deserve. And as a result, I complain about it. So there are some deep spiritual issues we should do and why we should do everything without grumbling. Now, even if you're not a Jesus follower, I think there are practical reasons that we should live without complaining. There's actually a doctor named Dr. Travis Bradbury, and he wrote a good book, great book actually, called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And he's just done a lot of research on the idea of complaining. And what he says is that repeated complaining conditions the brain to do, guess what? More complaining. He and others talk about what it means to have this kind of negative mindset that before long, we enter into what they call confirmation bias. In other words, we expect something to be bad, therefore, we get what we expect. Uh, let me give you a for example. Maybe you've just decided you just don't like big churches. It's like, well, big churches are bad, video teaching is bad, technology in church is bad. And so you just decided that you're just not gonna like something. And so the moment you walk in the door, you've already preconce you have preconceived ideas that are confirmed because your expectations are already so negative. This was the problem with the Israelites. In the story I just shared with you earlier, you know, so here they were, they were, they were negative in captivity and they were negative when they were free because their mindset trained them to be even more negative. Now, I don't know about you, 
I just don't want to go through life preconceived to find the bad when there's already enough bad in the world. I want, I want to train my mind to find that which is good and helpful and hopeful. This is why Paul follows up with this. He says, so do everything without grumbling because it contaminates, because it's all about what I think I deserve. It's all about what, what God is not doing or arguing so that. In other words, there's a purpose attached to this. You may become blameless. Now, blameless means just to be without fault. You know, here's what's interesting. He could have said, okay, don't lie or cheat or swear or steal so that you might become blameless. But think about this. When we complain to another person, it forces the other person to choose. You know, either I don't agree with you, which means we lessen some potential for influence, or I do agree with you, and I, I have still lessened my influence. You may become blameless and pure, he says. And listen to this, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So what Paul's doing here is he's actually quoting something that Moses said. Our guy Moses comes back again in Deuteronomy 32. Because now I'm not focused on what I think I deserve and blaming you and blaming God because I'm not getting what I think I deserve. Then here's the outcome. He says, you will shine among them like stars in the sky. The result is we will have influence with the people around us because the people around us will want to be around us. I want to give you two big ideas that we see from how Paul taught and lived. And these two ideas will go a long way in helping us do everything without complaining. Here's the first idea. If you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. You know, if there's something negative, unpleasant, not right, something that you wish that you, you, know, you could change and you could do something about it, then here's the thing, do something about it. In other words, we're not gonna go through a life and just pretend like everything is okay. You know what, when it's not okay. It's not wrong to notice something that's wrong. However, it is wrong when we start to complain and complain and then we just do nothing about it. You know, we've all seen this. You, you like know a couple that is not getting along and the relationship is on life support, so to speak. One or both talks with, and they talk with you about it and then you encourage them. And you encourage them to do something about it, to get, get help. But instead of doing anything about it, they just continue to complain and complain and complain about the other person. Or you've seen a different response. You encourage them to do something about it and one or both they start to take steps to work on it. And they go to counseling, they start going to church, they join a small group, they begin to read books. They don't keep complaining about it, which never helps. They, they don't keep putting cryptic comments on social media about marriage. You know what they do? They do something about it. If you can change your circumstances, then do something about it. Here's a second idea. If you can't change your circumstances, then here's the thing change your perspective. The reality is, is there are times when, you know, we can't change our circumstances. And when that happens, we change what we can change. And we can always change our perspective. For example, we can change what we say about it. We can change how we think about it. We can change what we see in those circumstances. Right after this, this is what, exactly what Paul tells us to do. Now remember, he's in prison. He didn't do anything to deserve to be in prison. 
and he's waiting possible execution. And he's chained to Roman soldiers who, by the way, they never showered, okay? So that was not a pleasant place to be. And here's what he says. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So Paul says, but even if I'm being poured out, it's like, whoa, Paul, poured out. What does that mean? Well, poured out means to spend it all. Back then, what the priests would do is that they would make a sacrifice to God, maybe with a lamb or, or some type of animal, and then they would put it on this burnt offering. Then they would take a, a drink offering, which would be the most expensive liquid that they had. You know, usually it was, it was wine or perhaps honey. And then they would take the most expensive drink and then they would just pour it on top of the burnt, burning sacrifice. This would be their drink offering. And you could imagine, you know, you put liquid on something that's really hot. And what happens? It goes, and the smoke just kind of comes up and that smoke would rise into heaven as this, this offering of incense unto God. And in, in essence, Paul was saying this, even as my life is just oozing away, even right now in prison, my life is a daily sacrifice. No matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to pour out my life as a sacrifice to God rather than complain. One of the questions we all have when we read what Paul said here is this. How could Paul write, do everything without complaining <laughs> when he had every reason to complain? Because Paul understood this very important truth. If I can't change it, God must have allowed it. And allowed it doesn't mean that God caused it. I mean, if God, God has allowed it, here's what it does mean. It means he must want to do something in it. You see, for Paul, he wasn't the center of his own story. He wasn't the main character because Jesus was. And so he knew that his part was to pour out whatever was in his cup, no matter his circumstances. Do you know how we pour out what is in our cup? Let me give you some examples here. If you're single, are you pouring your life into someone who is younger than you? Are, are you pouring into a need? Husbands. Have you invested fully in your wife, serving her and loving her the way that God called you to? Wives, are you pouring your life out to serve those around you, including your husbands? Parents, moms and dads, have you emptied yourself into your kids, teaching them to make wise decisions that honor God and honor others? Students, pour your life into the people around you who other kids write off. Paul says, when I pour out my life, I have this deep sense of joy because now my perspective is different because I have shifted the focus from getting my cup filled and complaining about it when I don't think I get what I deserve. And it's kind of like it's about me to pouring out my cup, which is about others. Complaining is a sign that I have put myself at the center of my story. But when Jesus is at the center, it takes the focus off of me and changes how we let our story be told. I wanna leave you with a few things that with the Spirit of God's help, help us apply what Paul says. With the goal, and this is the goal, of doing everything, everything without complaining. So I'm gonna ask you three questions. Here's, here's the first question. Why do you complain about blank? 
Why do you complain about blank? You know, once again, I just want you to go back to what or who you complain about the most. Why do you complain about it? And as I like to say, the why doesn't lie. Just be honest with yourself. And if you do, the answer will start with something like this. Because I deserve... Second question. If you can change your circumstances, what is something you can do about it? Now notice I didn't say, you know, what can we get other, the other person to do about it? No, no, no. But what can you do about it? And what can I do about it? Honestly, this is on us. You know, for some of you, that's going to mean, you know, maybe getting outside help or breaking up or calling the police or creating a budget or creating a new habit of some kind. It might mean changing friends or stop doing something that you know is a waste of time so that you can give more time to something else. It's gonna mean praying daily about it or going to church. Third question, if you can't change your circumstances, how can you change your perspective? How can you begin to pour out your cup on others? Because if we don't, we'll just continue to complain, 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 and we will miss out on what God might wanna do in our lives because of it. Honestly, my bent is toward complaining when things don't go my way. Uh, a few years ago, I, I injured my, my upper back area and kind of upper neck area right here and it caused some nerve damage. And this was tough for me because I'm just physically active. I, I exercise six days a week. Uh, plus it really affected work it, because it was on my right side, I couldn't write and I do a lot of writing. And uh, so after I would speak, the pain was so severe, I, I couldn't go out in the lobby way and meet people. And then just as a dad, I, I just couldn't do certain things uh, with, with my kids that I'd normally do. And for a time, man, I just complained about everyone. I complained about the staff and to Donna, to God, and even to the cats, you know? But with God, I, I remember just saying, God, I'm serving you, this isn't fair. Now, do you know what I discovered about my complaining? It never made my situation better. You know what I finally decided? I decided I'm gonna do something about it. So here's what I did. I put back rollers in my office, now I, I do my message prep actually on them, and then I'm on them after I speak. I started wearing padded shoes, which provided some relief so I can go out in the lobby and talk to people, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes and, and then I have to leave, but now I'm able to do that. With the kids, I learned how to throw left-handed and change some of my workouts. Now my, my neck and back, they'll probably never get better, but I am because I've taken the focus off of what I think I deserve and now I just do what I can do so I can pour out my cup on those around me. Men speak an average of 7,000 words a day. Women, you're at 20,000. Now there's a lot I could say there, but I'm not gonna say anything there. No matter how many words you speak, let's all be committed to following the words of Paul and let none of those words be complaining. Include social media as well because complaining contaminates, contaminates our relationships, and it also contaminates how we live our lives. Let me pray for us. Father, um, as we just think about our words and being more intentional about our words, God, uh, this is something, honestly, that we just don't think a whole lot about. But when we're on the receiving end of someone else's hurtful, harmful words, God, uh, we just realize just the power in those words. So Father, I would pray over the next couple of weeks that we would be very, very intentional about our, our words bringing life because our world needs life. So Father, as we think about complaining, 
This is just something that seems so harmless, but God, it honestly is so contaminating to our relationships and it's so contaminating to our own lives. And so as we just kind of wrestle with the questions and we wrestle with just Paul's words, do everything without complaining, do everything without grumbling. God, may we never be satisfied uh, until we get to that place of everything. And, and Father, we ask that your spirit would just really convict our hearts and move our hearts and empower our hearts so we can begin to take steps to rid our lives of just the harmful thing of complaining. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.